The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight's program is for all who cherish liberty. We'll reveal the untold story and largely hidden practices of authoritarians who have worked inside the United States government to undermine the Constitution and override rights protections since the earliest days of the progressive era. Our special guest has traced the intellectual origins of authoritarianism to its Hegelian roots in Germany and shows how legions of academics trained to hate the American system of government became predominant in the major universities of America, entered government as top advisors, and successfully orchestrated an overthrow of the Constitution's limits on power, which put the rights of individuals in jeopardy from the progressive era to the New Deal to today. Did you know authoritarians endorsed forced sterilization of 60,000 American citizens whom they deemed quote-unquote undesirable and unfit? Did you know authoritarians selectively created monopolies and overcame the constitutional limits on government power the Founding Fathers put in the Constitution to prevent tyranny, thus ushering in the foundation for a socialist state? We'll also discuss the lies told by advocates of the Black Lives Matter organization, Antifa, and the 1619 Project, and the fact that the first slaves in the Jamestown colony in 1619 were not blacks, but whites, and that in the antebellum South, slave owners were not only white, but black. You will learn the inherent failings of socialism, the tremendous cost it imposes on human lives, and the grave threat to the survival and success of liberty and justice in America posed by authoritarians such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Ed Markey, Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris. Get ready to unveil a detailed strategy for restoring constitutional protection for individual rights and fending off the horrors of a socialist tidal wave now drenching America. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Jonathan W. Emord is an attorney who practices constitutional and administrative law before the federal courts and agencies. He is AV rated by the Martindale Hubble Law Rating Organization, highest in legal ability and ethics. A federal litigator, Emord has defeated the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, a remarkable eight times in federal court, more than any other attorney in American history. He was lead counsel in the landmark Pearson v. Shalala decision, 
holding the FDA censorship of nutrient disease claims unconstitutional under the First Amendment. He is the author of five critically acclaimed books on law and government, including Freedom Technology and the First Amendment, The Rise of Tyranny, Restore the Republic, Global Censorship of Health Information, and The Authoritarians, which is the focus of tonight's interview. He is a guest lecturer at Georgetown University Medical School and Georgetown University Law Center. He's also the American Justice Columnist for USA Today magazine. His website is emort.com, and Jonathan Emort joins us from Clifton, Virginia. Hello, Mr. Emort, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Fine, Mel. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. May I call you Jonathan? Please do. Well, before we begin, I want to shine a light, first of all, to a portion of the acknowledgement section of your book. You include the testimonial of one of your clients, Donna Casanova. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. And we'll discuss the the story later. But Donna is someone who understands the horrors of collectivism and, and shares her story of harsh conditions, her family experience under the former Soviet Union. And I've shared my own story before of my family escaping communism and living under those stories all my life. But it seems that no matter how many times I share those stories, it seems that people are blind and they say, we haven't tried this here. Why don't we begin with that? Why are people so blinded and not paying attention to the 148 million deaths responsible by communism? Well, I think as with all Bolshevik revolutions around the world, uh, Maoist revolutions, they start with uh, a series of lies and promises that they never intend to keep to induce the people to believe that they present the only alternative to for their complaints, and they usually ride on the back of a crisis. In this country, I think the combination of the COVID crisis and uh, some economic issues that were vexing to people uh, led them to embrace the idea of socialism. As we know from uh, Gallup polls that were taken before the election, uh, as many as six, over 60% of Democrats said they wouldn't mind having a socialist president. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, leaders of the Democratic Party, publicly announced that they would endorse a socialist if the a party had nominated a socialist for president. And they, there they essentially crossed the Rubicon. That's a first in American history where people were publicly avowing that they would be willing to be under socialist rule. I think that this is a byproduct of uh, people being being essentially led through a series of Trojan horses to socialism. And that is, uh, they were led to believe through the Black Lives Matter organization and the Antifa, both of which are socialist, avowed Marxist, actually, organizations, communist, that uh, that these this rioting uh, was justified or was appropriate in some way, or that protests against uh, the state and against uh, uh, the society that the, the Americans live in was an appropriate way to express their anger over uh, the the murder of George Floyd and against police authority. This fit nicely with the communist. Uh, goals of Antifa and BLM, 
because they wish to overthrow local governments, state governments, federal government, uh, destroy American history and culture, eliminate religion, uh, and, and establish collectivism, but establish a Marxist state. And so I think people, many people unwittingly went along with this uh, because of their revulsion for racism, but they were actually being used in many respects to be a foil for a Marxist overthrow of the country. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of uh, uh, particularly Democratic mayors, governors uh, fed into this whole thing by showing support for defunding police, which is simply disarming that your enemy, if you're uh, a Marxist, you want the police defunded. If, if people will volitionally do that, then it's a wondrous thing because you can go about destroying people's property and maiming and killing people without any opposition. Uh, and so they proceeded to uh, pursue these goals of defunding the police, ending cash bail, uh, altering public policy so that privileges would be afforded to one race over another and uh, achieved a, a, a high degree of division in society that's unhealthy and um, is contrary to the core values that underlie our nation. Uh, then they proceeded through with cancel culture, uh, disallowing any viewpoints they find objectionable, condemning the speakers who present views that they oppose rather than debate them. And there we have the recipe for a perfect Bolshevik revolution. And traditionally, a country is usually taken over from the top down, but it seems that this time it's being taken over from the bottom up locally, the cities and states uh, first. But who are the authoritarians? Well, they're people who believe in submission to a governing will imposed at the expense of individual rights to life, liberty, and property. Um, that's how I've defined it. During last year's riots, you mentioned BLM and TIFA. They receive a lot of vocal support from the mainstream media, liberal politicians, and big tech companies, among many others. Did it, rem did it remind you of the Bolshevik Revolution at all? It's almost to me as if the same script and players, in a way, are doing the same here. A perfect Bolshevik recipe for government overthrow. Right, and they're not uh, shy about publicly proclaiming that as their objective. Uh, and we see the evidence of it when they try to burn down buildings that are owned by the government, when they uh, topple monuments, when they uh, deface and destroy religious monuments to Christ, when they condemn American history, when they topple uh, statues to George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, when they advance this critical race theory in the schools, when they oppose uh, any suggestion whatsoever that all lives matter, uh, taking the position that black lives matter. And if you dare say any other lives matter, they are quick to condemn you for that. Um, this is an unhealthy environment. This is a sick environment. And uh, we have let ourselves uh, as a nation tolerate this, I think, in large measure because uh, several uh, of the leading Democratic mayors and governors in the country have uh, tried to shame the population into believing that we're a racist society and that we deserve the punishment we're getting 
from those who loot, burn down buildings and, and, uh, and also attack people. And that's just absurd. The rule of law applies equally to all as it should. When we see instances when it doesn't, we should ferret them out, whether it's racism against the white population or racism against the black population. We should be a colorblind society. That should be our goal. And if we make our goal color consciousness to divide races and to subject one race to the uh, control of another, we've defeated the very victories in the civil rights revolution by Martin Luther King and others. And we've resorted to a state of slavery. Socialism is nothing more than slavery. It's slavery to the state. Slavery uh, to the state is the worst of all slaveries because it is monolithic. There's a monopoly of state power. And when everyone is a servant to the state, there is no individual sovereignty. Rights don't exist. You are nothing more than a, a slave to one master from whom you can never escape. And that's the utter horror and misery of socialism. Whether history was good or bad, shouldn't we remember our history so we don't repeat it? What, what do they think they're accomplishing by erasing whatever is left of our history? Is it so that they write their own script without future generations questioning our past? Yes, it's all about power for them. Uh, you would find if you had an opportunity to create an artificial environment in which Antifa and Black Lives Matter actually prevailed and overthrew the government, they would fight among themselves just as all communist regimes have. You would find them liquidating their political opponents, liquidating uh, power sources uh, in the military and in the private sector that posed a potential for uh, challenging their absolute rule. And uh, that would come to pass just as surely as it has in every socialist state, every communist state that has implemented a regime that is comparable to what Black Lives Matter and, and Antifa advocate. Um, Antifa is really a, a, a paramilitary organization that is designed to cause injury. It's, it's, it's a syndicate. It's a criminal syndicate. And uh, BLM has fed into Antifa operations uh, and has promoted them. And, and likewise, uh, Antifa has promoted uh, BLM's initiatives. So this is, this is really a case of a, a criminal RICO type operation and should be treated that way. Uh, and if you get right down to it, there really is no hypocrisy, for example, with the former head of uh, BLM, Patrice Colors, uh, being a, a multimillionaire deriving massive amounts of money from uh, the BLM organization and buying properties all over the place. Um, there's nothing uh, extraordinary about that because in a socialist state, uh, only the leadership and those who are chosen politically uh, enjoy the fruits of wealth from the country. And those fruits don't last long in socialist or communist states before universal poverty sets in. As Margaret Thatcher famously said, um, the problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. That's it. You run out of people's money. Now, from your book, quote, you say, as they draw ever more wealth out of the economy, they destroy the engine of economic growth, the ability of entrepreneurs to provide employment and opportunity, innovate and uplift the standards of living. And while they condemn wealth, 
They themselves obtain unimaginable riches, living lavishly and turning their political offices into vehicles for private gain through influence peddling, unquote. And isn't it interesting, Jonathan, that at this very moment, our unemployment rate is high. However, most businesses are hiring and have talked to many business owners. They're having a difficult time finding people to fill those jobs. And, and guess what? The common denominator is they're told people are sitting out enjoying unemployment benefits. And there are 11 states where more people are on welfare than working, and yet there are help-wanted signs everywhere. Is this one of the techniques to, to, to keep people dependent on government, one of the techniques to destroy our current system? Yes, expansion of welfare to really essentially become universal is a goal of socialists because they want to redistribute the wealth in society. Unfortunately, it's a dead-end game because if you if you take from those who are engaged in profitable labor the profit, then the value of their continuing in that labor disappears. And uh, it is essentially a disadvantage if they still are allowed to have some profit, they're, they're discouraged from laboring beyond a point. Uh, and as a result, that diminishes productivity and diminishes the wealth of the nation. So you end up with a, a zero-sum game. Ultimately, in the end, uh, you may have universal uh, dependency created by the welfare state if it's universal in its ap application to people. But uh, you end up with greater and greater poverty, and you end up also with massive inflation, as Venezuela knows now well, with over 10,000% inflation. Uh, when the government just prints money and pays people and gives them money uh, for doing nothing or for working as the state would direct, you lack that productive engine of capitalism necessary to provide an ever-increasing uh, pie of, of wealth and opportunity and you end up with greater and greater infighting, again, greater challenges to the socialist leadership, which results in greater repression in a downward cycle that ultimately collapses with the regime being destroyed either by a revolution, again, uh, or by uh, people fleeing the country, which is uh, what we really don't want to see here, but what is what is promised by those in the administration and in the leadership of the Democratic Party when they advocate uh, universal welfare. Um, the squad is famous for advocating these sorts of things, but the Biden administration has been quite sympathetic and has adopted many of the squad's proposals, not least of which uh, is a substantial amount of the Green New Deal, which is the other way socialism works, which is to co-opt industry by outlawing certain industries and creating political favorites like Solyndra was in the Obama years, where they're given subsidies and where they're given uh, government support and are allowed to create monopolies or oligopolies and enjoy vast riches uh, that are undeserved from the standpoint of a market. Um, when you support wind energy and, and uh, solar energy, for example, at the expense of fossil fuels, fossil fuels being the backbone of the, of the world economy, but of the American economy too, you substitute for a reliable, dependable energy source, an intermittent source that's unreliable, and uh, you force the cost of uh, destroying the market's preference on the consumers. 
and they bear the burden of the inadequate energy, but they also... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.